When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey traders, Akil Stokes here and welcome back to another episode of the Trading Coach Podcast. In today's episode, I want to discuss an article written about Warren Buffett talking about some of the mistakes that are made when teaching about money. But before we get into that, I do want to remind you that on Monday, August 19th, we kick off our four-day free online trading event called The Trading Edge. Make sure you're registered so you do not miss it. This is going to be our biggest live event to date. We're going to start off by teaching you some technical analysis, the basics of how to read a price chart, how to develop a trading routine, how to create a strategy. And we're even going to bring in very special guest, Mike Bellafiore, owner of SMB Capital to talk about what it means to really develop a trading edge and what characteristics he sees in the seven-figure traders he works with. So I'll throw a link right in the show description, but if you want to go there right now, just go to www.tier1trading.com slash trading dash edge. And I hope to see you there. And even if you can't make it there, you can't make it for the entire four days. I know some of you guys, um, have already reached out to me saying that, hey, you know, you have to work and you can't sneak away. The event is recorded. So what we do is after each daily session, after we upload it, we'll shoot you an email giving you a link on where you can check it out. So make sure you're registered even if you don't plan on attending live. Now, I want to read, with you, uh, read to you an article um, called Warren Buffett. This is the number one mistake parents make when teaching their kids about money from Tom Papo Moronis. There we go. I nailed it. And I want to read this to you uh, for a few reasons. Uh, one, I'm a parent, so I'm, I'm going through the process of you know learning how to be a dad and 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 really getting to those stages where I'm, you know, it, it's it's my duty to financially educate my kids because I don't think the school system does a great job of doing it at all. And that's not just here in the U.S. That's across the country, right? I'm, I'm uh, not across the country, across the the world. Um, I'm fortunate to uh, work with many traders in, in many different countries, and we have this conversation on many occasions, and all of them say the same thing, that financial education isn't nearly as discussed and taught um, as it should be. And there's a whole bunch of, bunch of conspiracy theories I have behind that. Um, you want to keep people dumb so you can control them more, um, but... It's our duty. It's not the school's duty. It's our duty as as parents and, and friends and aunts and uncles um, to do that for our children so that they can grow up with an edge. Um, but 
even if you're not a kid, even if you're not a parent considering teaching this to your kids, I think this is important because many of you guys listening to this podcast have never been financially educated. One of the reasons you're listening to this podcast, one of the reasons you should be listening to my good friend and, and, and trading partner, uh, Jason Greystone's Always Free podcast is because that's exactly what we're doing. We're giving you financial education for free in hopes that you could be more educated, that you can make better decisions, and that will allow you to lead a better life. Um, but I'm gonna read you the article and then I'm gonna go back and, and really give my opinion on it. And, and this is my first time reading through it. So it's it's all fresh, which is how I like this podcast to be. Never rehearse, just fresh off the top for better or for worse. But it starts off by saying, if there's one person who understands the importance of teaching kids about financial responsibility, it's Warren Buffett. Before he became... CEO of Berkshire Hathaway and legendary investor, uh, the legendary investor started a handful of small businesses starting at age six, where he purchased a six pack of Coke for 25 cents and sold each can for a nickel. He also sold magazines and gum from door to door. Warren says, my dad was my greatest inspiration, Buffett said in an interview with CNBC back in 2013. What I learned at an early age from him was to have the right habits early. Saving was an important lesson he taught me. When he asked what he thinks is the biggest mistake parents make when teaching their kids about money, the billionaire said, sometimes parents wait until their kids are in their teens before they start talking about managing money when they could be starting when their kids are in preschool. Yes, you read that right, preschool. To Buffett's point, researchers have noticed that 80% of our brain growth happens by age three. One study from Cambridge University found that kids are already able to grasp basic money concepts between the ages of three and four. And by age seven, basic concepts relating to future financial behaviors were typically or will typically have developed. Most parents already know how, how important it is to teach their kids about money and how to manage it properly, Buffett acknowledged. But there's a difference between knowing and taking action. Sound familiar? According to a 2018 survey from T. Rowe Price, which gathered responses from 1,014 parents of children between the ages of 8 and 14 and more than 1,000 young adults ages 18 to 24, only 4% of parents said they started discussing financial topics with their kids before the age of 5. 30% of parents started educating their kids about money at age 15 or older while 14 said they never did it at all. In 2011, uh, Buffett helped launch a children's animated series called Secret Millionaires Club, which featured himself as a mentor to a group of students. There are 26 episodes in the show and each one tackles a financial lesson, such as how a credit card works or why it's important to track where you put your money. I taught all three of my kids the lessons taught in Secret Millionaires Club, Buffett told CNBC. They are simple lessons meant for business and for life. Here are a few lessons from the show along with tips, buff, uh, tips from Buffett on how to teach them to your kids. Number one, how to be a flexible thinker. The goal of this lesson is to encourage your kids not to give up just because something doesn't work the first time. The ability to think cre uh, creatively and outside the box will come in handy when they run into future financial challenges. Activity ideas. 
Go to an art museum with your kid and discuss different styles of each painting. Then invite them to paint something of their own. Have them brainstorm different tools besides the paintbrush that can be used, for example, sponges, cotton swabs, or maybe their fingers. Number two, turn your trash can into a treasure by challenging your kids to come up with new uses for old things around the house. Like bottle, uh, for example, bottle caps can double as checker pieces. An empty cereal box can be turned into a magazine holder. This will help them uh, think critically uh, and save money and help the environment all at the same time. Number two, how to start saving money. As Ben Franklin once said, a penny saved is a penny earned. To help your kids learn to manage their money, it's important for them to understand the difference between wants and needs. Activity idea. Give each of your kids two money jars, one for savings and one for spending. Each time they receive money, uh, for example, as uh, for a gift or for allowance or walking the neighbor's dog, talk to them about how they wish to split the money between savings and spending. Number two, have your kids make a list or create a collage from magazine photos of five to ten things they'd like to purchase. Then go through each item with them and mark whether it's a want or a need. For example, a new toy is a want, a new backpack is a need. Number three, how to differentiate between price and value. We've all been guilty of paying more money for a cool brand of shoes or gadgets when we could have gotten a similar item that was just as good for a lesser price. The idea behind this lesson is to help kids understand different ways advertisers get us to buy their services or products, as well as how to tell us what is and what isn't worth paying for. Some activity ideas are make a list of the items that you need at the supermarket and then check flyers, newspapers, websites with your kids for items uh, on the list that may be on sale. Compare those prices and see what store offers the best deal for a specific product. Pick a magazine with your kid and choose an ad to evaluate. Ask them what's being sold. What message is the ad trying to get across? What catches their attention in the ad? How does the ad make them feel? How is it trying to persuade them to buy the product? Number four, make good decisions or how to make good decisions. The key to making smart decisions is to think about how different choices can impact future outcomes, activity ideas. Buffett suggests modeling good decisions, making skills, and talking to your kids about decisions as you make them, as well as resulting domino effects they could have. For example, we want to buy a new TV, but our AC is broken, air conditioning is broken, and we need to save more money to get it fixed. If we don't, it will be too hot in the house when summer comes. Once the AC is prepared, uh, repaired, excuse me, we can think about buying a new TV. Get your kids in the habit of making good decisions about how to save money. Maybe there's a DVD they want to buy. Ask them whether they really did it or really they, they uh, little, ask them whether they really need it or if they can rent the movie from the library. I got tongue twisted because uh, obviously in these days now people aren't really even doing DVDs anymore. It's all it's all streaming. So I, I had a an old person moment when I remember, you know, renting VCRs from Blockbuster. Ah, oh, horrible getting old. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's never too early. Instilling healthy financial habits in your kids is one of the most important things you could do to help ensure they have a successful future. I'm going to read that again. Instilling healthy financial habits in your kids and in yourself is one of the most important things you can do to help 
ensure they have a successful future. It's never too early, Buffett said in the Q&A with Yahoo Finance in 2013, whether it's teaching kids the value of a dollar, the difference between needs and wants, or the value of saving. Uh, these are all concepts that kids encounter at a very early age, so it's best to help them understand. And I think this was a good article, again, not just for if you're a parent out there and you're looking to you know, kind of start financially educating your kid and maybe you don't know how, but again, I think many adults don't know about money. And, and I believe we, we looked in this article and there was a stat that said, uh, what, 30% of parents didn't teach their kids about money by the age of 15. Another 14 didn't teach them at all, right? That's 44%, almost half of children out there under above the age of 15 aren't educated about money. And, and that's crazy. But I want to start off with just the, the, the basic idea of how money works. And, and the beginning of this article really hit home for me where it talked about Warren Buffett um, really starting his small businesses when he purchased a six pack of Coke and, and sold each uh, for 25 cent, then sold each can for a nickel. Because this is something that I did very early on in, in, in my life, where I remember the, the first one that comes to mind uh, is me selling pencils in I think third or fourth grade where, you know, I'd buy in bulk, you know, the, the pencils, the yellow number two pencils that you need uh, for school. I'd buy them in bulk. I knew that pencils are a need because I knew how much, how many pencils I go through each year, right? Breaking them and losing them and all that fun stuff. And what I started doing was I started buying pencils. I started shaving off. I probably should have been paying attention to school, but I was shaving off the yellow part at my desk and I was taking markers and I was drawing uh, designs, right? And I started doing that just for myself um, because I was bored in school and I needed something to do. Um, and I noticed that kids started liking it. Like, oh man, it's a pretty cool pencil. So of course, you know, I guess naturally what came to me is, uh, you know, you want it? I'll sell it to you. And I, you know, I probably traded him for some cookies or a bag of fruit snacks, something like that. But eventually I turned it into a business where I would start buying these pencils and I would shave them off and I would make custom designs and I would sell them for like a quarter to my classmates. And I would able to make money that I can buy treats and snacks for myself, right? Um, as that went on, say to high school, that, that, that even got bigger where, you know, I learned about supply and demand, right? We had a, uh, a line that, that served delicious treats at lunchtime. And one of the most in-demand treats were these sugar cookies. Oh, delicious and warm, oh, sugary, sugary cookies, right? And what happened was every single day, these sugar cookies would go quick. And if you were late to the line, guess what you wouldn't get? You wouldn't get the sugar cookie. So I started having, uh, I started standing in line myself and they started making a, a maximum. You can only get one at a time, which kind of ruined my business. But I started paying people to stand in line to buy the sugar cookies, right? As the sugar cookie supply got lower and the demand got higher for them, we were able to charge more and more. And I would actually resell the sugar cookies during uh, the lunch period to my room, uh, not roommates, so to my classmates and make money that way. Um, I went on to, I was a DJ as well. I went on to making custom mixtapes, right? New songs that were out. I would put together mixtapes uh, on CD or on cassette. There I go aging myself once again. I would sell them across the school each and every Monday, kind of like the top the top 15, Akil's top 15. My name was DJ Eclipse, so DJ Eclipse is top 15. Um, even to something that maybe frowned upon a little, you know, I used to kind of, kind of, I didn't, okay. I didn't write reports, so I didn't do school projects for other people, but I kind of gave them hints, right? So my school, we were missing a class in my school. Um, so they invented this class called culture credits, 
where we had to go out to cultural events, um, you know, festivals, um, art studios, uh, you know, certain movies, anything that was like considered a cultural event. We had to go to it. We had to bring back proof and we had to write up a paper about it. We had to do a certain amount per, I think it was trimesters we had in high school, per trimester. And um, I wasn't the best student, but, you know, I, I, I did them. So I would go out and I noticed that a lot of people weren't doing them. So I had the idea once again, where one friend was like, "Hey man, like you know, I, I didn't do my papers due today or due next week. Can I, you know, can you just, you know, let me get a, you know, do you have any proof for me?" And I, you know, I'd give it to him, and I said, "You know what? This could be a business." So I started going out to these festivals and these art things. I started collecting multiple pieces of proof. I would come back, I would write my own paper, and I would basically write a summary, and I would sell that summary to um, other classmates. And their job was to rewrite it in their own words and then hand it in, and basically they were able to do a project without doing it. Again, it wasn't the, not the most honest thing in the world, but I made a pretty good buck for it. And again, supply and demand, how it works. The closer we got to the end of the trimester and the more urgency it was for them to get those papers in um, or else they would fail, guess what happened to the prices of my services? Mm-hmm. They went up and I made a pretty good business that way. So I've always had kind of that mindset of being an entrepreneur and that's just knowing supply and demand, knowing uh, how to create a business. And um, my parents encouraged it. Maybe they didn't know about the last one. Don't tell them about that. But they encouraged it. You know, I, I would tell them what I'm doing and they would buy me more pencils. Um, they would buy me CDs in bulk so I can go out and produce more. It was always an encouraging environment. And as you guys know, my, my dad was big on uh, financial education, just teaching me about money, teaching me about investing. Um, and going back to what Buffett said about, or the, the research by uh, uh, Cambridge said about 80% of the brain being uh, developed by three and how kids the ages of three and four can understand money, I, that's 100% true. Uh, my oldest is going to be five in, the, in a few months, and we started teaching him about money at the age of three. And it was just the basic concepts. It wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't anything like, you know, um, you know, making change for a dollar, just like the, 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 the basics of how money works, the basics of that, hey, this is money. This is what it looks like, right? He didn't know that a penny is worth more, worth less than a dime or a nickel and that stuff, but he knew that this was worth something and that the more of this I acquire, that I can then use it to buy stuff that I desire, right? The more you acquire, the more you can get what you desire. Um, and we do that by taking him to stores and just the, the simple process of like, hey, if we're buying him a toy, instead of me paying for the toy, right? We take his money and he would have to physically hand hand the money uh, to the cashier just to kind of get that concept of that of, hey, like stuff isn't free, you have to purchase stuff. And then we built on that where we started talking about how much stuff actually cost and, and kind of savings where it's like, hey, remember last time we went to the store and you had to pay the cashier for that toy? Well, that, that toy costs money. Right? We didn't tell them how much, but that toy costs money. So if you want a next toy, you have to save up for it. And we, start, and we started giving them whenever I get spare change, I give it to him and he would put it in his piggy back and he'd be like, I'm saving for a toy, I'm saving for a toy. And then most recently we... Uh, we started talking about earning money, right? He's not old enough to do chores yet, but it was one of those Sundays where we were at home and my, my kid's an energy ball. So we, we went outside and started washing cars. And we washed the car and I said, hey, at, at the end of washing the car, and he's just having fun with it, I, I gave him like a dollar. And I said, he's like, what, what is this for? I'm like, well, you did a service. You you washed the car, right? So I'm, I'm paying you for your service. So then he started putting it all together where it's like, okay, if I provide a service, 
I can get paid. If I can get paid, I can save. If I can save, I can get with what I want. And it's developing so many skills. It not only lines out the process of how it works. I mean, even for you guys right now, what do you do? You go to work, you get a paycheck, right? You get your paycheck, you buy stuff you want or you pay for stuff you have to. He doesn't know about bills yet, but we'll get there. Um, but we're just ingraining those concepts in them at, a, at an early age. And we even walk through a little bit of math where it's like, hey, you see our neighbors over there, right? So they have two cars and those our other neighbors have about eight cars, right? And our other neighbors have about um, four more cars. So if you charge $5 per car, right? Then if you were to wash all, their, all of their cars on a weekend, how much would you get? And he, he would do the math and you know, we'd help him with the math, of course, he's only four. Um, but we do the math, he'd be like, oh, I can get this much. And then we show him, hey, this toy you want, this Buzz Lightyear toy, it costs this much. And now he's like, okay, so I have to wash all these cars once to afford this. And it's just ingraining those concepts at a really young age. So I'm a, a big believer in that. And don't think that your kid is, is too dumb to get it. These kids understand. Again, it may not be the specifics like a $5 bill. Well, it may not be the specifics like four quarters equals a dollar or stuff like that, but the, the general aspects of, of how money works is, is very important. And I think you should teach it to your children. Now, again, something that was disturbing um, when reading this article was the fact that 30% of parents started educating their kids about money at the age of 15 or older, while 14 said they never did it at all. So again, almost 45% of parents either didn't start educating their kids at all or waited till 15 or older. And that's shocking because at 15, I was working. At 15, I was a, I was a camp counselor making bank over the summer. I was also, before 15, I was building houses with my best friend's grandfather, right? So it's, it's, it's shocking that at 15, where I think we can all agree, you, you're old enough where you should be able to work and get paid and provide for yourself for the most part, meaning if you want something, if you want a toy from the store or a video game, you should be able to save for it yourself at 15. I think, I mean, maybe I'm off here, but at least you should be doing chores and, and to get it from your parents and getting allowance or something like that. By the age of 15, you're a teenager, man. Like, what, what the heck? Like, so this is ridiculous. And this is on the parents. This is on the parents. You need to be teaching your kids before 15. It's, 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 I'm amazed that the number is 15. I thought it would be 10 or something like that, but it's, it's amazed. Um, and now just to get into kind of the, the lessons that Warren Buffett had in his Secret Millionaires Club, which I am going to check out, is, um, again, flexible thinking. I, I love flexible thinking because I think this is important. This is very important um, as an adult to be flexible. Uh, I work with a lot of traders, obviously, and, and some of the, you know, trading is flexible. We, we like calling trading an art and a science where there's a, a scientific mathematical portion to it, um, which can't be denied, but it's also in, in art. It's, it's reading, it's analysis, it's, in, it's interpretation. It's if then, if then, if then. It, it's adjusting your, really adjusting your predictions and what you believe on the fly, right? And all of that takes the same skills that Warren Buffett talked about, where he said taking him to uh, an art museum and having them brainstorm on, hey, I don't have a paintbrush to draw this painting or to, to paint this painting, but what else can I use? Can I use a sponge, a cotton squad, a finger, right? You're, you're looking for alternative methods. Again, back to a trading example, right? The way I process trades is, you know, I have different levels of how I can get involved. I have a general idea, right? I want to get short Euro dollar. That's kind of, uh, you know, let's compare that to I want to paint the picture. Now, I don't know how I'm going to get short the euro dollar because that depends on 
the situation and I can't control the situation. The market is gonna give me what it gives me, right? Ideally, I would love to have this. And if the market does this, then I can get short. But if the market doesn't give me this, then what do I do? Am I just out of luck? What if this is the chance of a lifetime? Well, then I adjust, I go to plan B, okay? I can't get involved this way, so then I wait for this lower, low, lower close and this pullback and I get involved that way. Okay, I can't get involved that way, so now if the market gives me this, I get involved that way, right? I'm, I'm brainstorming and I'm being flexible and I'm adjusting on the fly and I have different ways to attack that opportunity because guess what? In trading, good opportunities, great opportunities don't come that often. A few seconds ago, or a few minutes ago, I just entered a trade on an Aussie, Aussie Canada. Aussie is, is a, a pair that I want to short, and I want to short long term because I think what's going on over there is, is, is disastrous, and it's only going to get worse. And I've been waiting a long time to be able to get here, just being patient and waiting for my opportunity, right? The market didn't give me reason number one, so I had to wait for reason number two. And then today came up a reason I didn't even think. I got involved in a, a, a cipher pattern on the four-hour chart which wasn't on my initial radar, but it's something that I can use to involve myself in that position. So it's being flexible, adjusting on the fly. I think that's a very good skill to have. Um, and that also goes back to how I was brought up. You know, I was an athlete. I was an American football player. I played a lot of sports, but American football is a great example. So is baseball because things change on the fly in football. Uh, many of you guys watch football and, and you guys know that the quarterback calls a play and you run the play. But did you know that there's actually, and this was at the, the college level, there's actually about three plays called at once. And then as you get to the line of scrimmage, right, you and the quarterback and the rest of the team all have to be on the same page about what you're doing, right? It, I was a wide receiver. So what I would do is I would line up based on how my defender was standing, whether he had two feet even squared up at me or one foot back and hips were open, how far the safety was back. If he was 15 yards back, it meant this. If he was uh, 12, uh, 10 and under, 10 to 8 yards forward or back, it meant that. I had to analyze all of that on the fly and know that if he does this, then I do that. If he does this, then I do that. And if you think that's complicated, guess what happens? You know, Guess what the, the defender's job is to do? It's to confuse you. So he may line up one way thinking I'm going to think one thing. And as soon as the ball is hiked, he switches to another way. And I'm running full speed at him going through the decision making process of do I do this or do I do that? Trying to analyze the defense and the adjustments that he made in real time at game speed while the quarterback is doing the same thing and we're not communicating. So I'm, in hindsight, that has certainly helped me to be flexible because it's all if then, all if then decision making on the fly. And that's a, a very important skill no matter what your kid is going to do, right? Or what you're going to do. E even if you're not, you know, to get out of the athletic perspective, you know, think about a job. You have a job, you're given, a, you're, you're, you're given here's a, a great example. You're given a presentation, it's a big presentation. You're supposed to give it this job. You've, you've worked on it for, for days and days and days. And you know, if you nail this presentation, you get the account or maybe you get the promotion, right? So you go in, you're ready. You got your, your suit on, right? You're, you're looking good. You're prepped. And then guess what? Your PowerPoint bombs blows up, right? We've been there a few times in live presentations. Knock on wood, it doesn't happen in the, the August 19th one. Um, what do you do? Do you panic? Do you just sit there and, uh, right? Or do you think on the fly? And start giving your presentation without the PowerPoint. Start finding a piece of paper and drawing on diagrams yourself. That gives you the edge in life, man, in life. So it, very important. Um, 
how to start saving money. I kind of talked about that earlier with my kid and, and, and just the examples I gave, but I, I do think that's in, in important. Um, I like the idea of making a collage. Uh, we haven't done that yet, but we're probably going to do it this Christmas um, where we, we did a Christmas list last year, which was big. This year, we'll probably make an activity where we, we go through magazines and, 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 and look at collages and, and, and uh, print things out. Um, but it's also, it, it's, you know, this is something that's big for adults, maybe not so much kids, but separating needs from wants, right? A lot of you guys are not very financially responsible when it comes to spending, right? I told you guys about a great technique I, I, I love called the latte factor. I think every single person should do it, where the latte factor, basically you track your life for a certain period of time and you track what is necessary and what is not necessary as far as expenses, right? You guys like to make fun of me because I'm, I'm infamously known for this now, but I'm the guy that spent $100 a week on dark chocolate Milky Ways, Midnight Milky Ways, Baby Bell cheeses, and Gatorades, right? Didn't even know it. Was it a need? No, it was a want. And before I know it, 100 bucks a week on that, no lie. Couldn't make it up. Um, <laughs> ridiculous. But you need to separate ones from needs. So if you're someone that is struggling financially, think about that. What are you doing in your life right now? What do you need? Do you need that cable? Right? Do you need that live stream subscription to that, uh, you know, whatever video game system you have? Do you need the Netflix? Do you need to take your car to the car wash once a week or can you do it from home? Right? What is a want? What is a need? Right? Buying gas for your car, that is a need. Your basic food, that is a need. The extra sugary treats, the expensive bottle of champagne, those are wants. You don't need those. You can say, easily save money doing that. You need to be able to separate it. Um, and that goes hand in hand with uh, price between price and value. That's another thing where I was fortunate enough to, to take a, it wasn't a class, it was like a one day seminar in college on supermarket psychology. And obviously I, I work, uh, you know, I developed a few businesses now, so I, I know about marketing as well. Um, understanding what you need to spend up on and what you don't need to spend up on. Right? There are certain things that you should value spending up on. There are certain things that you shouldn't. Right? You know, for example, for me personally, I, I value, if we stick with the supermarket example, you know, I value meat. Right? I'm, I'm a, I try to eat as, as healthy as I can. Um, I value paying up for better pieces of meat. I don't want kind of the, the cheapest meat products out there that are pumped up with all this stuff. Um, I don't want kind of the, the, the nastiest type of fish, I will, I will pay up for quality beef, quality chicken, quality fish. Now, I'm not going crazy and buying all this super organic stuff, but I will pay up for a, a good kind of medium value one. When it comes to stuff like cereal, not so much. For me, for the most part, all cereal tastes the same. You know, for me, the difference between Frosted Flakes and sugar-coated snacks, <laughs> whatever the generic version of Frosted Flakes are, Frosted Crunchies, um, not that much of a difference, especially for my kid. My kid doesn't notice a difference at all. You could say the same thing for, um, you know, I'm trying to think of something else that I, I spend down on. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. I really. Don't, I don't make a lot of bad purchases anymore. But um, 
something like vegetables, for example. Instead of buying vegetables and fruits from my local supermarket who charge up a little bit, I go to local farmers. They, 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 I live in a kind of a, you know, uh, outside the city area, there's lots of farmland here. So there's local farmers that have all these sheds and these shacks and they, they sell their fresh fruits and vegetables. And you can typically buy it cheaper there, right? So I'll, I'll go there. And that's actually a, kind of a win-win because you're getting a, a higher quality product, in my opinion, um, for a cheaper cost. But I know also at the supermarket I go to, Right. There are there's a there's a section for damaged goods where it's like fruits that are maybe a little bit bruised, still good, but a little bit bruised. You can get them half off. Right. For someone that's trying to save money, you can do that. Right. So many ways to do that. There's even a way of what date you go supermarket shopping, but not to get too much into it. But you want to pay up for stuff that you value for stuff that you don't value as much. You know, don't overspend on it because there, there's no reason. There's no reason to do so. There's no reason to do so. And um, let's see. The next one was kind of make good decisions. That's kind of the the same thing about you know uh, wants versus needs, um, and, and that's about it. So I thought it was a good article. You know, hopefully my insight kind of lends you some suggestions on not only what you can do as a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle when teaching the youth. Um, about financial responsibility and financial education, but hopefully it hit home for many of you because again, 45% of you have probably never been educated um, about money and how to use money and perhaps you're scared of it. So these are some tools and these are some tricks and some tactics that you can use yourself to start educating yourself more about money because the more financially responsible you are, right? The, the, the bigger, I don't want to say the bigger threat you're going to be, but I guess the, the, the better chance you have of, of moving up into the world because you have more knowledge, you have more understanding. When you can do that, it's just going to open up more and more opportunities, not only for you, but for future generations as well.